James chapter 1, verse 12, and I'll be reading through verse 18. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He Himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of His own will He brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. Let us pray. O God in heaven, how thankful we are that Christ is Your Son that has gone to war for us who has crushed the head of the serpent, has laid hold of the victory that is ours over death, over sin, and over all of our enemies. Lord, come today and fill us with Your Spirit to apply the work of redemption to our lives, that we might glory in this triumph, that we might endure through temptations, and that we might give honor and glory to our good God, and never assign to you something that is not true. Grant, O Lord, that our minds this morning would be conformed not to this world, but to your truth, and that our hearts would receive it with joy. So we ask that your Spirit would now do the work and be honored in the preaching of your Word, because we do not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. So grant a filling for our soul. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. We have in this passage before us life and death. I've been meditating um, on gospel The Gospel is good news. In fact, that's what it means. And it comes to those who have their lives with bad news. When we understand our sin and we understand who we are before the face of God and understand our end and the wrath of God upon sinners, that's not very good news. But that's righteousness. And that's God's justice. Good news is life. And good news of the Gospel is that which God has promised us in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. I've been really considering on writing a book. And the name of the book is Gospel Life. I want you to think about life. Life is something that God gives to us. Even before the fall, God created, He just took some dirt and He formed man and He breathed into His nostrils the breath of life and man became a living creature. But we who are dead in trespass and sin, but God, 
quickened us and has given us life. So many people just trudge through life. They go from experience to experience to try to squelch the the pains of life, the lack of peace. And yet there are some people to whom the Gospel has been brought to bear upon their life that even through the trials and persecution, there is joy, there is a peace, there is a comfort that transcends all things that our minds can conceive. I want us to reflect now as James continues on in this little epistle with so much sustenance for us. I want us to, to th- think about two things, and that is, number one, the path to death, and then the promise of life. Because God wants us to live in the promise. He wants us to stand upon the promise. And He never wants us to confuse one with the other. Because our minds and our flesh often likes to attribute one to the other. So we need God to reveal to us Himself and to assure us in our hearts that He is good and He gives good and perfect things and He is the author of life and not of death. Let us consider, first of all, the path to death. First of all, there's a path of death that is located here that really is kind of a process And it goes from a desire to a temptation, from a temptation to sin, from sin to death. That is the natural course of that path. But the problem with sin is it's so vast in its application. So broad is its stroke that oftentimes we do not recognize sin for sin. If we come to an understanding that we are so depraved that all of our faculties have been touched with the nature of sin, that we don't think right, we don't feel right, we don't desire right things, and we have a will to seek and pursue bad things, we are depraved. This is very hard for us to really get our hands around. As a pastor, I have to sometimes encourage people. And the way that a pastor encourages and edifies is to help them see their sinfulness so that they will turn to the Gospel and be saved so that they may have the good news applied to their lives. Now, this is not merely just for people who are unjustified. This is for all of us to recognize as David, Lord, try my thoughts. Expose any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's how he ends Psalm 139. And as a pastor, one way that, that I, I'm to help is to first to help folks try to figure out the difficulty that's going on in their life is often a sin issue. And, and we don't like to hear that. I remember one time I was talking with someone on the phone uh, most of whom you don't even know. And it was a very long conversation. And I finally just said, you know, what you're really struggling with is sin. Now, it was a circumstance in this person's life, and it was a um, something that was a struggle internally. She was going on mentally. And yet, 
when I called it what it was, there was almost a backlash. Oh, no, 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 it's not sin. It's just, it's just I'm afraid of something. Or, I'm thinking very, very specific example. Again, no one here. I'm talking with someone who is just beside herself because she's caught up in one of these Christian fad diets and is just loaded with guilt. And I said, what you're dealing with is an issue of sin. For the kingdom is not eating and drinking, but love, joy, peace, and the Holy Spirit. That's not often well received. But if we can get to the place where we we begin to recognize "Eh, that's a sinful feeling, that's a sinful thought, that's a sinful fear, that's a sin issue I'm dealing with, once we can get to the recognition where the law of God shows us, it leads us to Calvary where our fears and our sins and our thinking are released in the good news. And Christ saves us from these things. Now, how do these... How does sin culminate? Because this is very important for us to realize life and death. See, sin dwells in a whole area of death, but what we desire is life. Now look at the path of death. First of all, verse 14. Let's say verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He Himself tempt anyone. Verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away of his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Notice the four-tier step here. First of all, there is a desire. It starts with a desire. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away of his own desires. The King James says lust, but really this is a very benign word. This desire does not necessarily mean bad things. It's just a general word that means desire. And that is where temptation begins. And not all desires lead to temptation. But know that all temptations will come from desire. Temptation lies within the man. It's inseparable from our desires, whether those desires be good or whether they be bad. Temptation here is not morally wrong. Our Savior was tempted in like manner as we, but yet without sin. So the temptation itself is not wrong. When one has been tempted, he at that point has not fallen short of God's glory. But where do these feelings and where do these desires arise? They arise from within man. This word desire, everybody has them. This is good desires, this is bad desires. We have a desire to eat. Some of us, more than others, right this very moment. We have a desire to drink. And without those desires being fulfilled, we could not live. We have good desires. We have desire to sleep. We have desires that are necessary for our existence. 
We have a lot of other good desires. We have desire to help other people. We have a desire to love and a desire to be loved. We have a desire to, for a physical relationship with our moms and dads and husbands and wives. And these are good desires. We have a desire to be happy, a desire for pleasure, a desire for fun, a desire to succeed, a desire for a purpose and accomplishment in life, all of which are very good desires. (laughs) Jesus says, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover before I suffer. It's good. The desire here is just benign. But temptation comes when it begins first with the desire, when he is drawn away and enticed. See, we have first the desire and then the temptation. Secondly, let's look at the temptation. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his desires and enticed. There's kind of two tiers now in this temptation. Natural desire is not a temptation in itself, but temptation comes when, first of all, he is drawn away and enticed by that desire. What that means is drawn away from the will of God by that desire and enticed. Let's think about those two words, drawn away. First of all, we are tempted. This is the path to death now, if we follow it to its conclusion. We are tempted when we are drawn away. This word draw actually is translated several other times in Scripture as dragged. It's like drawing a net of fish. Acts 16.19 says, But when his master saw that their hope of the prophet was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Notice here that the verb in verse 14 is passive. He is tempted when he is drawn away by his desires. It is the desire that is drawing him out of the will of God. When we're talking about a passive verb, what we mean is there that the action of the verb is being done and performed by someone else upon us. This is now our desire upon us, dragging us, drawing us away. And here is a warning for us all to hear. Even our good desires can lead us down the path to death. You have to eat. You have desire for food. But that food can lead you to death. What was the first temptation that we remember from reading Matthew 4 just a few minutes ago, after Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days fasting and Satan approaches him with food.
So see, it begins with the desire. So we have to check our desires. Are the desires good or are the desires bad? Are the desires going to draw us away from the will of God? Because even good desires can do just that. Check your desires. Check what you like. Check what your pursuit is. Because the next thing is, says you're tempted when your desires are inflamed to draw you away and then enticed. And the word enticed here means to bait or to lure or to attract. It is making sin look attractive. It is making something out of the will of God look attractive to us. It makes it look like life, but it's really death. It makes it look like it will bring greater joy in our life, or greater happiness, or for the moment it's pleasurable, so, but it has a deception to it because it's death. It's not life. Our desire can become so intoxicating that we then set out on a mission in order to fulfill it. And that's when we get enticed. Turkey hunting season is about to start. And those turkeys every single morning are out gobbling. You're going to hear it tomorrow morning as you wake up. You're going to hear them gobble. Yesterday we walked out and there's big old turkey, spread eagle, just gobbling, just strutting. Next week, we're going to be in the woods with a little slate sounding like a hen. And there's a desire that that male turkey has. And he is going to be enticed. And hopefully to his death. Now we can laugh, but sometimes we're the turkey. And there is one over there in the woods. And our desires are so inflamed that now we are being lured into a temptation and that will give once we get to that place where we are enticed, it is where we are snagged. Temptation is the luring of one into sinful behavior or sinful thoughts or sinful attitudes or sinful speech by drawing him into playing on his natural desires, making sin attractive. Now, all the temptations are not in themselves wrong. They will make sin seem attractive. Now, folks, this is right now a very good lesson. When the Spirit of God convicts you that you are on that path, that is a point which you need to flee. You, as Paul tells young Timothy, young Timothy, my son in the faith, minister of the gospel, flee youthful lust. When you get to that place, run like Joseph did from Potiphar's wife. Run. Do not walk. When God's Spirit shows you, flee the other direction. Because the very next point is where we are drawn away and enticed 
And then our temptation culminates in sin. It says, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. The desire has conceived. It's like a fisherman going after that trout. And you throw that fly out in front of the trout's nose and he ignores it. And you throw it out again. He's, he's looking. And the moment he snatches, he's now hooked. And it has conceived. Desire has conceived. And now there's no going back. Sin has been brought in. When a desire has conceived, it brings forth sin. We now have transgressed the law of God. We have now fallen short of His glory. There's no turning back. We have sinned. You know what that means? That means right then we're not loving our God. We are transgressing His law. We are very, very, very displeasing to God the Father. So displeasing are we that left without it being justified and cleansed, we will forever endure, or not endure, but come under the heavy wrath of God's hand. That's how much He hates sin. That's how much He is not a part of it. Oh, it all starts very innocently. It's all very subtle. It's like desiring the food in the garden. But the next thing we think, and the next thing we realize when our eyes are opened, is death has now invaded our ranks. Sin brings forth death. There is no exception, by the way. Sin always brings forth death. For the wages of sin is death. It will bring forth the wages eternally, but it will bring forth death in your life and fellowship with God in Christ today. You make a wrong choice, or you think a wrong way, or sin has invaded your camp. There is death, and there is always death, because the Scripture says that when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, it brings forth death. There is no turning back. Desire, temptation, sin, death. There's your path. Desire doesn't always yield temptation, and temptation doesn't always yield sin, but sin always yields death. Every time you sin, something in you dies. Death is a separation from one's fellowship with God. God is the God of life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God is the author of life. God is life. God gives life. But when you sin, you fall out of fellowship with life. In life, God has designed life. He has given life to be joyful, to be loving, to be at peace, to be gentle and meek, to look unto the sovereign God and have life. God gives life. And He gives it more abundantly. Ask that your joy may be full. This, these are the words of the Gospel. 
So when we sin, we lose fellowship with God. David, for some protracted period of time after he sinned with Bathsheba and before Nathan the prophet, it was eating him up. Read Psalm 32. Sin was tearing him apart. And I know Psalm 51 is the penitent psalm, but Psalm 32 expresses what's going on in his bones, in his inward being. That's not what we want. We want life. And that's what God has promised. And so antithetical to the nature of God is sin and death in the path of destruction. This path. He makes it very clear that He is about life and He is not about death. So that's why He gives us a promise. Now, we have the path to destruction, but we have the promise of life. Look at verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love Him. God promises the life to those who overcome temptation, listen to this now, in love for Him. Temptations will come. But they come at the point, and they come to the point to where our love for God is tested. That's what temptations do. Temptations will test your desires. Desire for God or desire for this? Desire for earthly bread or desire for every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? Jesus' desire for kingdom and glory, which was promised to Him. Now, or God's way? Temptations will come and they always test our love for God. That's why verse 12 tells us that blessed is the man. There's beatitude living right there. We have the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed is He. Blessed is He. Blessed is He. That means happy. And here we have the same terminology in verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, who perseveres through it, who does not succumb to it, and has triumph over it. And some of us are being tempted right now in challenging ways. But blessed is the man who overcomes temptation. Because God promises that if you love Him, and that is your greatest desire, and you yield your fears, you yield your wrong thinking, you yield your actions, you yield your desires all to the will of God, you find life. And there's the irony. The irony is that we pursue our desires even to the sinful ends to death because we are deceived thinking that the fulfillment of the very desires that we have pursued will bring us happiness or life. When it is exactly the opposite. Now remember that. 
That's the irony. We pursue our desires even to deadly ends because we become deceived that the fulfillment of that desire that we have will bring us life when it really leads to death. Do not be deceived. And that's what he tells us in verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Don't be deceived in this. There is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is death. Yet the truth of the matter is that happiness only comes from God. It is a gift of God. No man on the face of this world can have happiness apart from God's grace to him. Ecclesiastes is all about that. We work and we toil, but it is God that gives us the gift to enjoy that work. We raise up an inheritance for our children, but it will all be blown away with the wind if it is not God who gives us the grace to have that carried on. Now, when we endure temptation and we come through the temptation, not yielding to it, showing and demonstrating, God, I love you. And my love for you, by by your grace, is that which will deliver me from this that I'm struggling in. God promises life. But be careful what you wish for. Check your desires. Because today you may be wishing for meat when God desires to give you manna. Or you may be complaining about the bread from heaven and desiring the garlics, the leeks back in Egypt. Be careful in what you pursue because our hearts are very deceptive. Verse 16, do not be deceived. Life comes from our love for God. And love for God is demonstrating through our persevering and victory over temptations. But those temptations are tests for us. They determine where our love and our affections reside. My desire for the flesh or my desire for God, it is always that which is on the table during a temptation. Jesus was tempted thrice in the wilderness. And each time, what was before Him in the flesh, in humanity, was a desire that was good. but yet He triumphed because of His love for His Father. Temptations will compete for your affections. And sin is that culmination. But every time we are tempted, with no exception, there is always an escape. Now listen here for two remaining small little points of of application. There always remains an escape. God always provides that. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. You have never been tempted in any way that's just unique to yourself. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but with the temptation, make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Christ is called the pioneer, the author of our faith. Christ is the one who went through the wilderness for 40 years, 40 days of suffering 
in temptation. He lived a life of temptation to find an easier way. And he learned obedience through the things which he suffered, Hebrews 5 tells us. So we need to follow in his train. But folks, let me give you this one word of encouragement and one word of exhortation that we all fall prey to. Never confuse God's character with the process of death. The Scripture says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He Himself tempt anyone. Verse 17 says, Every good gift and perfect gift comes down from above from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variations nor shadow of turning. Never confuse the nature, the character, or the work of God with the process to death. One of the things that really upsets our God is when we blame Him for something opposite of who He is. And we fall prey to that. Can you hear the voices of the Israelites in the desert? Did God lead us out here in the desert so that we may be slaughtered by the Egyptians? Did God lead us out here that we may starve to death because we have no food? Did God lead us out here that we may thirst to death because we have no water? Would, would that we would just back in Egypt? God hates us attributing His salvation to a work of And that's what we do when we complain and murmur about life that God is doing. Because we do not see with the eyes of faith. They've just been delivered out of bondage. They've just been delivered from Egypt. They've just gone through the Red Sea. Water now comes out of a rock and bread comes down of heaven and their shoes don't wear out for 40 years and life is there in the promised land and we're going in to inherit it. But when we say there's giants in the land, there's no food to eat, there's no water to drink, woe is me, did not God bring us out here to kill us? God hates us confusing those two things. And we have to believe God is good. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him by faith, Hebrews 11.7 tells us. And we should know here from James 1, God is holy. There is no evil in God, and He desires our good, and He gives us good and perfect gifts, and He does not change in that. He is the same today, He is the same yesterday, and He will be that way tomorrow. He is good to His people. He blesses His people. Do you believe that, or do you assign Him to the process of death? Oh, woe is me. Look what God is doing. Why has God done this? God is a God of life. And He desires life abundantly. Whether you're in prison with Paul, singing the Psalms at midnight, seeing life being sprung up from a Philippian jailer who was about to kill himself, or whether we're in our trials, the trials will come, the temptations will try to lead us out of the will of God, but life is to be found when we overcome. 
When we love God with all of our heart, we trust Him with all of our soul, and we yield to His ways, He will give us life, and He will give us life abundantly, for He has invited us to the feast this morning. So as we consider the process to death, watch your desires. Know that Satan can appear as an angel of light. He may be over in the woods squeaking at you. Be careful to show your feathers and walk down that path. Be careful. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Follow life. Endure the trial. Ask God for the escape. Look to Him to have victory over your fears, over your doubts, over your wrong-headed thinking. And may we have life today in Christ Jesus our Lord because the Gospel is good news that saves us and gives life. It is not that which glories in death. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we confess that too often we murmur and complain because we are seeing with our eyes and not by faith in Your promises. Our Lord, forgive us for how our actions and our thinking has attributed to You that which should never be attributed. Forgive us for complaining about Your providence. Forgive us, O Lord, for our many sins. Lord, we are all guilty. We all fall way short. Cleanse us, O Father, and fill us with Your Spirit that we might see the promises of God, stand upon them by faith, knowing that You are good to Your people, knowing that You provide, knowing that You bring us through trials, knowing that You always provide the way of escape in a matter of temptation, so that You can be loved and demonstrated. Lord, we pray that You would demonstrate Your great love for us and our reciprocal love for You with victory over temptations. Cleanse us from all of our sin and give us life. And may we feast now together with Christ who is our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.